listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. If you get done greeting, you could turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. The book of Isaiah, chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at uh, quite a few scriptures today, kind of like we did last time, uh, different scriptures jumping around a lot. And so I encourage you, if I could force you physically, I would. But I just encourage you to, to turn in your own Bible to the passage uh, and, and read along. Uh, I really think it's cool if you bring your own Bible and have your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on every table. You could look at one of those. And uh, I think there's, there's value in looking at it, looking at the Word, looking at the Bible with your own eyes. And I, I believe, you know, writing in your Bible is important. So, um, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 uh, we're looking at uh, the books of prophecy today. Everybody say prophecy. prophecy. All right, let's, let's read the word of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. This has to do with uh, Isaiah ch- having to give a hard message, delivering a hard message to Israelites. And it says this, The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem, the, the Isaiah the son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. So here's Isaiah speaking the words of the Lord. I reared up children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey, his owner's manager. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, a sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurred the Holy One of Israel. They've returned their backs on Him. That's, that'd be a hard message to give someone. It's a, it's a, it's a rebuke. It's a warning. It's a very stern warning. And we're going to look at the books of prophecy this morning and look and see how God speaks through His people, the prophets, to Israel and how that applies to us today. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we do welcome you here, Jesus. We recognize you. God, as we talk about prophecy this morning, as we talk about the books of the prophets, God, would you reveal to us your heart for your words, your truth inside of us. God, the fact that you still do speak to us today. You speak to us. You allow us to see what your truth is, your wisdom and your knowledge for us. And so, God, we are so thankful that we get to look at your word We get to understand more about who you are by studying your prophets. So we love you and we praise you this morning. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Pretty good. Uh, I used to go skiing all the time when I lived in Utah. I would ski. There was this winter where I skied 50 plus times in one season. It's a lot of times to go skiing. And our, 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 me and a few of my buddies would go skiing like every Saturday and then obviously throughout the week as well, obviously. And uh, on Saturday, our habit was go skiing and then in the evenings find a hot tub and chillax and let our muscles soak. And there was, there was three of us that we, we were in this hot tub one evening me and uh, two other guys, and it was dark, and it was beautiful. We were looking at the mountains. It was snowing, and in the darkness, one of the guys just started kind of sharing where he was at spiritually. It was like a—it it got really serious really quick as he shared that um, he was kind of giving up 
on the faith. And he was saying things like, I just don't believe in God anymore. I just, I, I'm, I'm hearing arguments of atheism and going along with them. And I just don't know how you guys can just believe everything you hear. And he was kind of accusing us of, of things and, and just telling us how he's, he's not going to believe. And, and uh, it, was, it was saddening because he was a, uh, wasn't a worship leader, but he was a guitar player for the worship band and just incredibly talented guitar player. He'd play for the worship team. Um, extremely talented. I mean, we'd just say like, Jimi Hendrix, and he'd just start wailing some Jimi Hendrix tunes. Santana, and he's just busted out anything. Like, he's just an amazing guitar player. Amazing. And uh, here he was, uh, you know, uh, as a worship worshiper on the team, just sharing his heart that he said, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm I don't know that I want to be a Christian anymore. And he, he shared with us something that was really personal to him. He said, last week I was in a mental institution because I just broke down. He said, I couldn't deal with it. And I checked myself in and he spent last, last week he was in a mental, and we were like, whoa, I didn't know that. I'm sorry, bro. And a week before that, his girlfriend had broke up, broken up with him and he was just going through a lot of pain and hurt, but at the same time saying, I'm not going to believe anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm doubting. I don't, I don't care about God. I, I want to do my own thing. I don't believe anymore. And so in that hot tub, in, in that conversation, I just kind of, start, I, I was kind of upset a little bit and I just started speaking to him very boldly. And I said things like, you know, if you give up on God, uh, you turn your back on him, some, some bad things are going to continue to happen to you. I think, you know, God protects us so many times from, from evil. And if you give up on him, then, you know, you're going to be out of, his, out of his will, out of his presence. And I said things like that. And I said, if you turn to him and, and give your life back over to him and believe, have faith, God will do great things in your life. God will give you even more talents. And I started to speak into him and say, you know, God himself has given you those talents that you have in guitar. And he's given you those talents. And when you're worshiping and playing your guitar, it's as if God, you know, God, the music of God is coming through you. And, I, and so I was just telling him things like this. Conversation went on for almost an hour. And at the end of the conversation, the, the third guy that was sitting there in the hot tub, we, we were inside and, and he, he, the third guy came up to me and said, man, you were really prophesying over, over that guy. And I said, nah, I wasn't really prophesying. He said, yeah, man, you were prophesying. And I, and I, this was a long time ago. And I just thought of this, uh, this week as I was preparing for this message, but in rethinking that situation at the time, I didn't think I was prophesying over this guy, but in hindsight, I really was. I was speaking God's truth over him. And it, was, it wasn't like, you know, this spiritual thing where thus saith the Lord. And I'm like screaming and got my hand on him in the hot tub. And uh, it wasn't like that at all. It was just like coming out of me like, like God, God wants to tell you that he loves you. And he's given you these talents. And, and it was just speaking God's truth into this guy's life. And looking back, I think that's, it was prophecy. God was speaking through me something prophetic over this guy. And, um, and so today as we, as we talk about prophecy, hopefully I'm going to expand your, maybe your definition of what prophecy is. We're going to look at the word. We're going to study the Old Testament. As many of you know, if you've been coming to Sunday school, we take whole months and we talk about one topic. And so we've been talking about the entire Old Testament this month, which has been huge. And we've just been like going over lots of books at once. And so today it's going to be like that. We're going to go over 16, the 16 books of prophecy in the Old Testament. Sound like fun? Sound like you can handle it, Mill Sunday schoolers? All right. 
A few announcements before we begin that journey. Uh, if you're newish, we have little Sunday school cards. They look like this. You can fill one of these out. Give it to the people in the back, and they'll give you a CD for saying thanks for coming to the mill. It's the same CD that if you came to the mill on Friday night, uh, they'll give you the same CD for coming to the mill Sunday school. Same thing. Um, we have a bunch of guests kind of in this area. Anybody from Texarkana? <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, they're, they're our friends. It's kind of like a, I guess we could call you like a sister church. Uh, the, you guys have been hanging out with us, and I've been down there to your youth group. And uh, So they're the college ministry in Texarkana, which is the border of Texas, Arkansas. They're called The Connection, right? And so they're up here. They, you know, they're, they're chilling in Colorado and chilling with the mill on Friday and with Sunday school. So if you see them and, and they have, a, have an accent, they're probably from Texarkana. You could welcome them to the Mill Sunday School. So uh, let's see, what else? Oh, next month, as far as announcements go, next month, we are be- which is next Sunday, we are beginning the topic of salvation. The how of how does salvation work? Why does it work this way? Uh, we'll talk about things like can you lose your salvation? A big question a lot of people have. Just a bunch of ideas concerning salvation all next, one- all next month. Sound good? All right, those are your announcements. Uh, let's, let's give you a definition of prophecy. This is in your notes. Uh, I always give you notes because I think it's fun to write things down and to get it into your hearts and, and have something to show for yourself, you know? So if you go home and mom's like, what'd you learn in Sunday school today? You're like, well, let me just pull out my notes and tell you, mother. Uh, so I'm going to give you the definition today of what uh, prophecy is. This is an extremely broad definition. But the definition of prophecy, if you want to write this down, you can. Uh, it's very basic, very, very broad. It's disclosing information that is not known to the prophet by ordinary means. It's kind of got a double negative, so I'll read it again because it's a little confusing. A d- definition of prophecy. What is prophecy? Oh, it's disclosing information that is not known to the prophet by ordinary means. I'll say it again, disclosing information that is not known to the prophet by ordinary means. And so many times we think, oh, all prophecy is, is just future prediction stuff. Like, you know, going into a fortune teller and them telling you, you know, the name of the person you're going to marry and how many kids you have. And, you know, what's the next lottery winning numbers? Is it 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42? You know, future prophecy, future prediction kind of stuff. And that, of course, is uh, very much a part of the Old Testament, very much a part of the books of prophecy where they predict an event that is going to happen. And then, of course, it happens because it's the truth of God. But at the same time, so much of what the books of prophecy are are not just future prediction. So I want to kind of bust open this definition that I mean, if, you, if you have it in your head that, oh, all prophecy is is just pr- predicting the future. No, that, that's, a, that's a tiny piece of what prophecy is. Let me show you um, the warnings giving to, given to a prophet in Deuteronomy. So these are the Old Testament warnings of a prophet. Turn to Deuteronomy 13. I'm going to read five verses here. Um, about, about the test of a prophet, a prophet, someone who dreams dreams foretells things. So it's Deuteronomy, which is in the very beginning of the Bible, of course. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 13 talks about a prophet. I'm going to read the first five verses. Um, Deuteronomy 13, starting at verse 1. It says, if a prophet or one who foretells dreams appears among you, announces you, to you a miraculous sign or a wonder, and if that sign or wonder which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods which you have not known, and let us worship them, 
You must not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart with all, and all your soul. So here's a, pro- a prophet saying, oh, this event's going to take place. And then it does take place. And then the prophet says, let's go worship these false gods. I've just prophesied in these false gods' names. Well, no, that's, that's not. That's, God says, don't follow him. And then verse 4 says, It is the Lord your God you must follow. and him you must revere. Keep his commandments. Obey him. Serve him. Hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death. And so if, you, if someone prophesies something, and even if it comes true, but then they say, let's go worship other gods. Let's do something that we know is, is wrong and false. Then that prophet is false. That prophet, prophet must be put to death. And what I see in that is, is this bigger idea that prophecy is much more concerned with the truths of God than just future prediction stuff. If all prophecy is just you know, predicting the future, then that's a, it doesn't glorify anyone but the prophet. The, the, the purpose of the prophecy is to glorify God, to deliver truth, to deliver a message of truth. Um, and so let's look right now at the, the major prophets. Turn to, uh, turn to, I guess, Jeremiah. And so right now, we're, we're going we're gonna to go over the major, there's major prophets and there's minor prophets of the Old Testament. And the major ones are the cool ones. The minor ones... They're also cool. They're called, do you know why they're called the minor prophets? A guy in the early church, maybe you've heard of him before, Augustine, wrote, wrote a lot about Christianity. One of our you know, founding fathers of Christianity in the early church, he, called, he referred to them as the minor prophets, not because they're little or that they don't have uh, important things to say. What they have is just as important. What they have is still, you know, it's in the word of God. It's, it's just as important as what Jeremiah had to say, but there's, there's less writing. And by a lot. I mean, if you look at some of the minor prophets, it's like a page. Page and a half is all they wrote. And so they're minor by, by how much they wrote. And so I'm going to talk right now about the, the four major prophets. Do you know the four major prophets? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Did you know that? Those are the four major prophets. And uh, each one of them, uh, at least the... the Daniel's kind of the one that doesn't fit the other four because Daniel's more of a story of the prophet and how he interacted with the king. But the three others, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, all fall into this time period of Israel's history. And we talked about this, like, I think, two times ago um, at Sunday school. But if, you've, if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, you know that Israel as a nation was taken over by the Babylonians and the Syrians. And they laid waste to Israel. They brought captives. They brought slaves back up into Babylon and, and Assyria. And it's at this time, this bad time, when these prophets prophesy. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And all of them follow this kind of model, this threefold model, where they, at first, they have words against Israel. So at first they say, the reason why God is punishing you is because you're, you haven't been following him. You haven't been obedient to him. Jeremiah 5, 1, listen to this, says, go out into the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search through the squares if you can find one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. So Jeremiah is saying, look how, look how bad Israel has become. There's no one that seeks truth. There's no one doing what is righteous. And so that's why you're going to be destroyed. So all these prophets, they, if you're taking notes, they follow a threefold model. The first uh, model, this first part of the model is, one, they, they, they preach uh, against Israel. They warn Israel. Words against Israel. Part two is they, they 
They, they speak words against the nations doing the bad things to them. They speak against Assyria. They speak against Babylon. And then the third part uh, of these books, they all kind of are composed in these parts. The third part is some sort of consolation for Israel. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This is a lot of, uh, a lot of people have this verse on um, like pictures. It's a nice verse. And it, it, it is consolation to Israel. It's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've memorized it. It says, uh, for, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, right? You know this verse. And so that verse comes at a time where Israel is, is enslaved by some bad people. A bad nation has enslaved them. And God gives them at the end, through Jeremiah the prophet, he says, I have plans for you. I have a future for you. It doesn't look good right now. But there will come a time when it'll get better. So you just see that threefold. And if you read through these books, which I obviously encourage you to do, if I can make you, I would make you read them. But I'm not able uh, to make you. (laughs) Uh, They follow that threefold idea. One, uh, words against Israel. Two, words against the nation that took them. And then three, some sort of consolation. And Jeremiah uh, follows that model. He's known as the weeping prophet. He also wrote the book of Lamentations. Uh, he is a priest. He comes from the order of uh, the Levites, so he's a priest. And to give you a piece of um, the prophecy, each one, each one of these major prophets gives testimony to the coming Messiah. So they're at the time in history, Jeremiah is in a time of history where Israel has just been laid waste. Things do not look good. And yet he prophesies, he future predicts that a coming Messiah is coming. Would you want to see it? It's Jeremiah chapter 23. Verses 5 and 6. And there's a lot of Messiah prophecy in the, in the books of the prophets. The coming Messiah. And so I hope you realize um, that this book of Jeremiah is written hundreds of years before Jesus came. Hundreds of years before the Messiah. And Jeremiah is prophesying that a Messiah is going to come. And here's what he says. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up to David... And, and so we know that Jesus came from the line of David, a righteous branch, a king. Jesus was a king who will reign wisely, do what is right and just in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. And so here's a, here's a prophecy of Jesus, the coming Messiah. And there's lots of these in the, in the prophets, uh, prophecies about the coming Messiah. And so we, we just went, I just I realized that we just, brushed over the surface of Jeremiah, but um, that's what we just did. <laughs> the book of Isaiah. And so we're gonna, I, I, there's a bigger point to today. So if you're, if you're, if you're in here being like, man, it's just, he's just spitting words out and it's coming at me and I'm not sure what's going on. Um, that's, that, I just apologize almost for today. But you can handle it, right? Because you're the Mill Sunday School and you could handle a little teaching in here. So Jeremiah, uh, we just covered Jeremiah. Isaiah, Isaiah is at a time right before uh, the fall of Jerusalem, uh, right before the fall of the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has already fallen, and Isaiah does the same thing. He he speaks against Israel, like that passage we read that, to begin this morning. That he's you know he goes he uh, if what, what was the passage we read. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, this guy's struggling. <laughs> Just kidding, don't say that. So Isaiah, Isaiah warns Israel, 
Then he, sa- then he gives uh, the, the second part, just like, um, just like Jeremiah. He gives warnings against the cities, the nations that have taken him. And then finally he consoles Israel. And he also preaches, prophesies about a coming Messiah. Maybe you've seen this verse before. So this is Isaiah the prophet. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, verse 14. And this is an amazing verse about the coming Messiah. And in my Bible, um, I've, I've underlined all the, the prophecies of the coming Messiah in a, in a green color. And I could just flip through the book of Isaiah and see that there's a lot of things underlined in green. A lot of things where Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah. And this verse is just fascinating to me. Isaiah seven fourteen. So this is written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. And you know what Emmanuel means, right? God with us. So I imagine, I mean, just in my own thinking, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, Isaiah wrote this and he said, a virgin will be with child, have a son. So Isaiah's writing that and I don't know how the Lord spoke to him. You know, we could, you know, think about different ways. How did? Was it audible? Was it impression? Vision? I, we don't know for sure. But I imagine Isaiah writing that down in a scroll and then like rewriting what he wrote, just wrote. And he was like, wait a minute. I know how the birds and the bees work. How can a virgin give birth to a son? It doesn't make any sense. Is that, I mean, I just imagine him be, with humanity like we and just thinking, man, did, did I get that right? Did I, man, I don't know. I mean, that's just in my thinking. Thinking Isaiah wrote this down and said, this really must be a miracle of the Lord. When the Messiah comes, when the Lord with us, Emmanuel comes, that's going to be awesome. A virgin is going to be with child. He was writing things down that were prophetic, that he couldn't have possibly known if it wasn't from God himself. And uh, so that's Isaiah. Um, once again, just very quickly going over it. Ezekiel is taken in. So Ezekiel, the next major prophet, he's got a cool name. Ezekiel. Don't you like that name? Ezekiel is uh, also one of the major prophets taken into captivity uh, by the Babylonians, uh, writes at a time of turmoil between the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, all kind of battling and warring over Israel and taking, taking authority over each other. In, uh, and so Ezekiel writes in that time, and he also prophesies about the coming Messiah. One of my favorite verses is Ezekiel 34, verse 23. Ezekiel 34, verse 23, underlined once again in my Bible in green because I I went through my Bible a long time ago and found the, I just had so much fun and learned so much about God from finding the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. And this is what Ezekiel has to say. Uh, Ezekiel 34, 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. And so we know that Jesus, once again, is talked about in the line of David. Uh, my servant David, he will tend to them. He will tend to them and be their shepherd. I will be their Lord, their God. My servant David will be their prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So he's talking about a coming prince, a prince shepherd. And so we know that Jesus, and, you know, was that prince shepherd. And there's more, there's much more specific verses about, about the coming Messiah. And this, just this idea that these major prophets are writing in a time of just turmoil, bad news, bad times going on, but they have words of consolement for Israel, and they say that a Messiah is coming. They're prophetically preaching that, that 
One is going to come who is going to be king, who's going to take away their suffering, just like Jesus did. And so the final book of the major prophets is Daniel. And Daniel is, uh, in my opinion, probably the funnest book of the, of the prophets to read because it's in story form. You can follow uh, Daniel as he is in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is the king of uh, the Babylonians. He, they took over Israel. So David's pretty much like a, a slave, but he's, in, he's, a, he's like in the, kind of chilling in the palace with the king. So he's kind of not, you know, like a slave, like we might think, like with chains around his neck. So he's serving in the palace of the king. And uh, it goes through these stories of Nebuchadnezzar just wanting Daniel to worship his gods. And so the, the first incident, chapter one, is about Nebuchadnezzar saying, here's some food that's been sacrificed to idols. You must eat it. And Daniel says, no, I'm not going to eat that food, that meat that's been sacrificed to, to idols. And so he goes on a Daniel fast. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I'm going on a Daniel fast. What it means is they only eat just vegetables. That's what David, da- Daniel does, excuse me. And he says, and then he becomes more healthy than the other servants, even though he's eating just vegetables. Uh, and so it's proof, a proclamation that God provides, even if you don't eat meat. <laughs> and, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar, the book is all about Nebuchadnezzar testing Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar putting up a statue and saying, everybody must worship this statue, this God. And Daniel saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I won't bow down. And then, of course, he gets thrown into the furnace. And, he, and there's, there's just this ways of, he's a prophet because he's speaking what is true, and he's not bowing down to the false gods, the false gods that Nebuchadnezzar has before him. And so those, very briefly, are the four major prophets. And so I want to take a break. I know that uh, I've just kind of thrown a lot of uh, just teaching at you, a big big overview. And uh, what's coming next is uh, more of that. We're going to look at all 12 of the major prophets, excuse me, all 12 of the minor prophets. But what I see in the minor prophets is God speaking in different ways and at different times. And so my question for you is this, and you can discuss it uh, amongst your table. Uh, It's not an easy question, but I want you to maybe discuss it. If you're you're by yourself, it's perfectly okay to just uh, take out a piece of paper and think to yourself and maybe write down some things. The question is this, how does God speak to you? And I want you to be specific. I don't want you to be over-spiritual and say, oh, God just speaks to me. No, but how? You know, if you're explaining to maybe a non-believer and they, they overheard someone say, yeah, this crazy person said that God told them something. That's crazy, right? You're like, no, God does speak to the, today. And you try to explain to them, well, how does God speak? And so that's what your question is. Do you understand the question? I want you to be specific. How does God speak to you? How have you heard, maybe uh, heard of other people uh, listening to God, the voice of God. I want you to explain the how. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? I want you to be specific. So that's your question. Uh, I know it's, it's kind of a hard question to discuss, maybe a personal question to discuss. And so do some listening if you don't want to share. Uh, but just jump right in and, and say, well, here's how I, I believe God has spoken to me in the past, and here's how he spoke. Ready? Get set. Discuss.
All right, let me give you another minute, like another minute to wrap up. I know that was very short if you got into it, but another one minute to wrap up. Hopefully God has spoken to you somehow and in some way before. And uh, explaining the how of that sometimes involves some faith. And um, I just got, I'm just curious, uh, maybe by the show of hands, how many of you would be bold enough to say, I, I've heard God's audible voice before. Anybody? Lots, lots of us, yeah. Um, I, I personally have not. I know a lot of people have. And this, they would say, 
God's actually spoken to me audibly. How many of you had visions? How many of you uh, have had maybe, maybe a dream, like you fell asleep and you had a dream and God spoke to you in a dream? You know, that, that's biblical. That's, there's biblical precedent for visions, dreams, audible voices. How many of you would, would say it's more of a, a mental impression? Would you put it in words like that? It's like, God spoke to me and I can't ex- explain it any, in any other way than it was an impression on me. And I, I've, I think there's, one, there's lots of other ways. There's lots of, if I listen to some of your conversations, the how of how God spoke to you can be very different for each of us individually. But I've heard of another way that, that God speaks, and he's spoken to me this way t- as well. And I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty common where God will, it's almost like a conviction. Like, you know, like a little kid going, stealing cookies feels a conviction. I know I'm doing something wrong, but because they're stealing, you know, obviously that's wrong. But what if it's like, I've heard a friend say, you know, I'm, tr- I'm choosing between two schools, two colleges, and it's really important. You know, the one has this kind of program, one has that kind of program. It's a big decision in his life, and he's brought it to the Lord in prayer. And he says, you know, it's not a right and wrong decision if I choose this school or that school, if there's no moral sin involved. But I, he said, I feel convicted to go to this school rather than that school. And he, said, he talked about it almost as a, as a moral conviction. Has anyone felt that before? Just like a, a conviction? It's not an impression. It's not a vision or a dream, but it's, a, it's like a conviction. And there's so many ways in which God speaks. I heard a joke uh, a long time ago that, that said this guy, uh, it's a made-up joke, uh, this guy lives in a floodplain, and there's a flood coming, and the river's rising, and, and he feels as though God has said, I will save you. And, and so uh, the flood's coming, the ground's getting wet, the river's rising, and a car drives by and says to this guy, dude, you're nuts, what are you doing, you're crazy, you gotta get out of here, flood's coming. And the guy says, don't worry, God's gonna save me. The car's like, uh, we gotta get out of here, you're crazy. And so they just leave. The, the water keeps on rising. The guy passed his house up to his roof. The guy gets on his roof. He's on his roof. The water's still rising. And a boat comes by and says, man, what are you still doing out here? You're crazy. Get on the boat. We could save you. Bring it to, to shore. And he's like, no, God's gonna save me. And then he's on the corner of the top of the pinnacle of the roof. The water keeps on rising. There's a helicopter dropping down a rope for him. And the helicopter is like, you're nuts. What are you still doing out here? There's a flood. <laughs> Duh. And the guy's like, no, I don't need help. Go away. God is, God is going to save me. And, and the water keeps rising. The guy gets swept off his roof and he drowns. He gets to heaven. He asks God, you said you were going to save me. Why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent you a car, a boat, and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on it? <laughs> and uh, I heard that joke a long time ago. And it just makes me think of, I wonder how many times we, we hear God and, and maybe we just don't give him credit. We doubt. We wonder, was that really God? We make a decision based upon something. We hear an impression. We have a, a dream or a vision or something that we just can't spiritually explain. It was God. But we have doubts, unbelief. I want to encourage you this morning that God, God speaks in, in many different ways. He speaks in many different circumstances. And as we look at these minor prophets, very quickly, uh, it's going to say there's 12 of them, and we're going to go over them in less than 12 minutes. Are you ready for this? Uh, you don't look ready. If you were ready, you'd be like, 
Some of you are. I appreciate that. If I was you, um, you know what I do when, the, when someone's like going over a big bunch of things? Uh, what I would do, and I've actually done this in my Bible, is like I'll turn to the Hosea. Like, so we're going to go through all 12 of the minor prophets and just write down big ideas. So that if I ever go back and reread the book of Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Hosea, I will look at it and say, oh yeah, this book's about this. And I just kind of have a one-liner about what this book is about. And it kind of helps me read through with a bigger purpose in mind. So hold on tight. We're going to go through all 12 of the, of the minor prophets. And what I want you to see, this bigger picture is, God speaks in many different circumstances. He speaks in different ways. For instance, Hosea, this, this first book is very interesting on how the Lord speaks. What he has Hosea do. Do you know the story? Hosea marries an adulterous woman, uh, a prostitute. Is, it's, it's translated sometimes. And he has, obviously, that's, that's not a good wife, right? An adulterous woman commits adultery. And, and the, the first part is about children of unfaithfulness. So he has children with his wife, and he doesn't even know if these kids are his, is what I imagine. They're, chil- they're called children of unfaithfulness. And so he has a wife, children, and it's, I mean, the pain and the horror of that situation, living with an adulterous woman. And God speaks to him out of that and says, this is how I feel with my people Israel. I feel, this is God speaking, God says, I feel as though Israel has cheated on me. I feel as though they are like an adulterous wife, supposed to be married to me, supposed to be committed to me, but they are not. That's an interesting way, extremely interesting. Interesting is not really the word I'm looking for, a way of God speaking, don't you think? So that's the book of Hosea. The next book, book of Joel, very quickly, there's really no historical context for the book of Joel. We're not sure when and where he, he was, but uh, we know that he speaks a lot about the, the great and dreadful day of the coming of the Lord. And then it's, and he's, he talks about, um, looking at Joel very quickly, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 28 says, uh, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And this is the exact verse that Peter picks in, the, in Pentecost and says, you've heard it said, Joel prophesied about this coming day of the Lord where the people will prophesy. And here's, here, this day is fulfilled here, and this, this, this passage has been fulfilled today. The next book is Amos. Amos is, is a book written in the height of everything going well for Israel. Everybody's like doubling down in the stock market, if there was a, like an Israel stock market back then. I'm not sure. Everything's just going well. Everything's going good. Everybody's laughing and joking. And Amos has to bring to the people this message that destruction is coming. He brings warning. He brings uh, judgment upon Israel and says, things are like, things, you think things are good now and you're, no one's following the Lord. Everything's, everything's cool. Everything's fine, but it's not. Judgment is coming. And that's what the book of Amos is about. A very hard message he had to deliver to the people. The next book is the book of Obadiah, the shortest book of the Old Testament. And Obadiah is, is about uh, the nation of Edom. Edom is just south of the kingdom of Israel. Um, and, and if you've been kind of following along and if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that it's the northern nations, the Assyrians, the Babylonians that come in and take Israel over and take them captive. And Edom just kind of watches. And so in my words, what the book of Obadiah is about is saying to Edom, laugh it up, Obadiah. Laugh it up, Edom, I mean. <laughs> but judgment is going to come on you. Even though you stood around and did nothing while these other people came and laid waste to us, but God is on our side. 
You, you didn't do anything to help us, so laugh it up. Judgment is coming upon you, Edom. So, in my own words, that's what that book is about. The story of Jonah. Anybody else really like the story of Jonah? The story of Jonah, a really fun book to read. It's very story form. Jonah is told by God to go preach to the Ninevites, this city in Babylon, that, that destruction is coming, that they must repent. So Jonah goes, and he's, actually he doesn't go. He goes the opposite way because he doesn't want to go to the Ninevites. He's either scared of them. It doesn't, there's lots of reasons why he doesn't want to go to the Ninevites. They're bad dudes. And Jonah gets on a boat. He gets thrown off the boat. He gets swallowed by a whale or a big fish. Only in the Bible, you know? It's like sweet stories like this. That's just awesome. And he stays alive for three days and three nights. Gets spit out. I'm sure he wasn't looking very good. But he makes his way to Nineveh. He preaches against the Ninevites. Says, you need to repent. They repent. And then God doesn't destroy them like he said he was going to do. It's a fascinating story about the role of a prophet in, in changing the mind of God. And that's a whole theological topic that I would love to bring up over coffee sometime with all of you. But, um, so that's the book of Jonah. The next book is Micah of the 12 prophets. Micah has this, uh, this message that God hates just empty rituals. He hates it when you, when you just do something because it's ritualistic. He wants your heart. Uh, Micah preaches against idolatry and injustice. The next book is Nahum. And Nahum, the name actually means to comfort. And that's exactly what he does. He talks about how Judah will be comforted, even though uh, everything's going wrong and bad, and this captivity, this slavery, uh, there's comfort. Uh, Habakkuk is the next book. Habakkuk is a very fascinating conversation with God, where Habakkuk brings his complaints to God and says, God, how many times must, must I come before you? How many times must I pray this prayer? Where are you? And God then speaks back to Habakkuk, and then Habakkuk repents at the end. A very fascinating conversation of, of a person with God and how their prayer was very honest, kind of like what we spoke about last time at Mill Sunday School. And then finally, uh, let's see. Oh, wait, there's a couple more books. Zeph- uh, Zephaniah preaches about the coming of the day of the Lord. Well, he will punish the nations. Uh, Haggai is next. Uh, it's a book that encourages the Israelites as they rebuild, as they, as they have been taken away into Babylon, uh, Assyria. They begin to come back to Israel and rebuild. And it's encouragement for those that are rebuilding. And then finally, the last two books of the Old Testament, Zechariah and Malachi, are about the restoration and giving. It's kind of after the restoration of Israel, where they come back, they rebuild things, the temple, and they're they're encouraged that they that they are restored back into the place of God. Did you get all that? Maybe I know. I realize what. This Sunday school is unlike other Sunday schools where we're just going over, we're overviewing so much. Our friends from Texarkana, it's, it's not usually like this. Usually I stay on track and talk about one thing. But today I'm talking about 16 different books of the Bible. A big overview. And so right now I want to summarize with, with the rest of the Sunday school. I want to summarize this idea of prophecy and really talk about what prophecy is not. And uh, prophecy is not... Uh, using the God card. Do you know what that means? Prophecy is not using the God card. When you're playing a card game and like someone else is winning and then you have like a trump card or the joker is like this card that beats all of the cards. Or if you're playing settlers, anybody play settlers? That game is so awesome. 
Settlers, if you have the victory card, you just whip that out. And you're like, yeah, victory points are mine. They beat all other points. Um, playing the God card is like if you're in a conversation with somebody and you just want to manipulate them or abuse them, you could come up to them and say something like, God told me to tell you that you're an idiot. <laughs> and then they're like, really? And they're like, yeah, you're an idiot. They're like, no, I'm not. Yes, like, yes, you are. No, you're not. And then you just, you throw the God card out. Well, God told me to tell you, you're an idiot. <laughs> and it's like, what do you say to that? What do you say? I mean, obviously I'm being funny, but there's specific, I mean, no one would say that. Well, some people may say that. Um, but if you're in a conversation with someone and it's like, no, I think we should do this. No, I think we should do that. And, and then they throw the God card and say, well, I prayed about it. And I, I believe God told us to go this direction. Or, you know, some random guy comes up to you and says, God told me to tell you to go on a date with me. It's like, what's that? How do you? It's like, uh, okay, I guess. I mean, that's the God card. Did he really say that? I don't know. Uh, here's what prophecy is not. Prophecy is not about using a God card. It's not about, um, in the New Testament, I'm going to make a d- difference. If you're taking notes, this is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Because there is a difference. We've been, all today, we've been looking at Old Testament prophecies. Have we seen some rebukes and warnings and judgments in the Old Testament by prophets? Yes or no? Yes, we've seen a lot of it. In the New Testament, not so much. In fact, let me show you a verse that says what New Testament prophecy is like. It's 1 Corinthians. This is a foundational verse for prophecy. Foundational. 1 Corinthians 14.3. 1 Corinthians 14.3. Are you there? This is a verse you probably want to look at. It's a verse you, you need to see with your own eyes. It's a big picture verse about prophecy and what I'm talking about today. Because this is the difference in a lot of ways between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy, one man is, is speaking prophecies over like an entire nation saying, God's going to bring judgment, warning, disaster. You're bad. You're horrible people. You're idiots. You need to change. The New Testament, here's what prophecy's for. 1 Corinthians 14.3. Everyone who speaks, excuse me, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I'm going to read it again. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. This is a, this is a verse that, um, it's, it shows me that, you know, prophecy in the New Testament terms is, is about strengthening, comforting, encouragement. That's different than the Old Testament prophecy. And here's, here's the bigger picture. In the Old Testament, uh, people did not live, uh, the Holy Spirit, let me put it this way, did not dwell in people in the Old Testament. Do you know that? The, the Spirit of, the, of God would come upon people. Like it came upon Samson and he had great strength. He came upon the prophets and they would prophesy. But then it seems like not everyone had the Spirit of God come upon them. And at times the Spirit of God would come upon someone and then leave. Whereas today, New Testament, if you, and if you read the book of John and how Jesus says he will send the comforter, send the counselor, he talks about how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will dwell inside of us. So all of us have the Holy Spirit inside of us. If, you've, if you're saved, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you've, uh, if you've given him your life, then, then he gives you back a spirit. He dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that's different than the Old Testament time. So every single one of us can judge a uh, judge something, uh, a prophecy, whether it's true or not. And so uh, a healthy way of, of prophesying, 
uh, of uh, speaking truth into someone is, is to say, you know, I, 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 have a, I have a word of encouragement for you. I have a word from the Lord for you. You can, you can hear it. Um, I, I think it's from the Lord, but you choose. You decide whether or not this is from the Lord. And then they say, you know, whatever they want to tell you that they believe God told them to tell you. And you get to decide. You, get, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you can either resonate with it and say, oh yeah, God's been speaking, to that, speaking that to me too. Or you could hear it and just say, man, I don't think so. I mean, I, let me pray about it, but I don't think so. I'm not going to receive what I don't think God is giving me. Because every single one of us, New Testament, has the Holy Spirit dwelling and living inside of us. And so, um, there is, let me just say this, that in the New Testament, there is times for rebuke, correction, discipline. But those are the times when you, when you come to someone, you show them scripture. You say, listen, you're an idiot. You're being an idiot. Let me show you some scripture. You don't go to someone and say, God told me to tell you, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's using the God card. That's using the God card just to rebuke someone, just to, you know, lord it over them, to kind of manipulate them. And, uh, Prophecy in the New Testament, this verse says, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, comfort, encouragement. I see that as, that, that's a good thing. Don't you think? You shouldn't be afraid of prophecy. You shouldn't be afraid of, of allowing God to speak to you or through you to someone else. And I, I realize right now that uh, for some of you, this may be new stuff. You're like, whoa, prophecy. Maybe you came in this morning thinking, oh, prophecy is only about future prediction. No, prophecy is more concerned about the truth of God and a message being delivered. And all of us can experience a message of God. All of us can listen to God. God is speaking today. And, and the hows and the whys are often very confusing and require faith. But God is speaking. Amen? Amen. And, so, and so we can hear the voice of God. We can listen to it. And it's, it's, it's confusing and it's, it requires faith. But it's a good thing, and we can encourage one another. We could be praying and say, you know, co- go to our friend and say, I, I have a word of encouragement for you. I believe, the, I believe the Lord wants to encourage you in this area. I believe the, I believe the Lord, uh, you know, has, has good things for you lined up. And, and if pray, you know, pray strength, comfort, and encouragement. And, um, and so if, if a lot of this is new, I, I think, let me just t- tell you that in, in a couple months, we, we will take a whole month and talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brady, a lot of what I, I just said came from some talks that Brady Boyd uh, gave on prophecy last year, almost to the day, last year, last April, April 08. Uh, and so you can look those up on podcasts, listen to some of Brady's teachings about prophecy, and he'll, he shares that verse and differences between Old Testament and New, New Testament prophecy. But hopefully today you'll leave here encouraged, encouraged that prophecy is for today. It looks different than it does now than in the Old Testament, but it's still God's truth, God's message being delivered for all of us. And I just want to close with a story of, of how I was personally encouraged by a prophetic word once. And it was last year, uh, last summer, um, I went to Africa with the Mill Missions. Anybody else do that? And uh, I went to Africa for two weeks. I was back for two days, 48 hours before I had to go to LA for uh, two weeks for my schooling. And th- that stresses me out. Like, tra- like going to LA, having total jet lag. I was sick from Africa still. Had some Africa bug in me. And uh, it was hard for me to eat. I was having stomach problems. Stressed out. Didn't 
wasn't resting well, went to L.A. for my school. A lot of you know I'm working on my doctorate, uh, which hopefully this summer will be completed. Uh, I have to present it and um, cool stuff like that. But last year I was, I was in classes all day, every day, from like an 8 in the morning to 5 at night in classes. Just talk about fun times, right? And so I was stressful. I was discouraged. I was sick. I was going to the bathroom in and out of class. Brutal. Uh, and, and on my heart was just this, just, I was just discouraged. There was a class that I had taken, uh, a previous class that I had taken. I had, I had missed a day of class, and I actually got a failing grade in that class. And so I went to the professor. I was like, can I make this up? And then he was like, well, maybe. And it was just like around, it was just very stressed and nervous and sitting in class and being sick. It was just a, I mean, nothing huge, but I was just discouraged. And I was sitting in class, and uh, the afternoon session uh, of one of the classes was this 80-year-old woman who came in to just share about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This little old lady, um, she came in on with little crutches things. She sat down, and she just started sharing her story. She started sharing, like, back in my day when I became a Christian and how God has been present in my whole life. And she just shared her story and shared about how God had used her in gifts of prophecy and, and the Holy Spirit and, and how she had these gifts. And she shared her story. And at the end, she just offered prayer. She prayed up. There's only five of us in the class and she offered prayer over each and every one of us. And she just prayed over me. And, and she, she prophesied things. Things that um, she just seemed to, it seemed like, she, I mean, it seemed like she was speaking, that God was speaking through her. <laughs> Duh. Um, she, she spoke things that she couldn't have possibly known. She's talked about how I was sick in my stomach. It's like, I pray over this man and it, the sickness would leave him. And he'd feel better. And I pray over uh, and she was praying things like that. And then she just looked at me and said, you know, God's happy with you. God is giving you a spirit of joy. He's going to give you rest. And it just spoke right to me. And I just started weeping. And it was a time of encouragement. And all this lady was doing was just praying, praying what she felt the Lord was speaking to her um, and for me. And, it, and, I, and I really, truly believe that God, God uses us as individuals. I don't know why, but he uses us imperfect human beings to speak his truth, to be deliverers, to be messengers of his truth on this earth. And so I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that God will open up prophecy inside of us. It doesn't have to be a weird thing, you know, prophesying. It may sound like a daunting thing. It may sound like a huge thing. It may sound like a confusing thing, but it doesn't have to be. It's just listening to God, speaking what, what you believe God's message is. For, for an individual, for yourself. So let's pray this morning. God, as we close the Mill Sunday School, God, would you do something in our hearts today? God, would you open up your will for our lives to be prophets? God, we pray that boldly. God, would you make us prophets? Would you give us the gift of prophecy that we may, may just simply hear your voice and deliver the message that we believe we've heard? God, would, would that be used for strengthening comforting and encouragement for the believers and non-Christians around us. God, we ask you to use us. Even though it may be new and, and confusing, God, we, we pray that you will just use us. Use the gifts that you want to put inside of us. Use the things, use your message inside of us to be preached. God, we are willing servants. God, we leave here excited. We leave here Curious to know how it is you are going to use us. We leave here excited that, God, we are going to glorify you with our lives, with our, with our faithfulness to you.
And so God, we love you. We, we praise you with all of our hearts. We leave here blessed knowing you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, my friends, you're dismissed. Peace out. Make sure you say hi to some Texarkana people. High five each other and praise the Lord. Amen.